precious one, the message you're about to listen to will bless and enlighten you, and we are delighted about this. Ministering is Reverend Elijah, Pastor of Christ Glory Ministries. Stay tuned, and God bless you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We declare that your intentions, your purpose, and your word is what shall be established concerning your church and concerning believers all around the world in the name of the Lord Jesus. And even now, we thank you for the atmosphere of your spirit, the atmosphere of wisdom and revelation in the deep and intimate knowledge of you, Father. Even as our hearts and our minds are ready to receive the ministry of the word and of the spirit. Thank you for enlightenment. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for transformation. Thank you for enlightenment. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And we pray for all our viewers and all our participants in today's service. We declare in the name of the Lord Jesus that the blessings of the word are grounded in their lives even as they participate and as they hear us. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Once again, good morning and welcome to today's service. And in the past few weeks, we've been on a series, The Sower Seed. And last week, we came to the end of it. And today, you know, there's, there's so much in God's Word. There's so much in God's Word that... Uh, many times, uh, even if it's three services or four services, it won't be enough to exhaust everything that's in there. But then, in light of the many wonderful things that we saw within the series, we want to go through some afterthoughts today. And um, I have with me on the set some of those you may already be familiar with by now. On my left, I have with me Sir Gabriel Roxon. And I have on my right uh, Elvis and Sister Mami. So we say this and then I'll see it. <laughs> Praise God. So we're going to go into some afterthoughts of this series, the Sower's Sea, because there's so, you know, some wonderful things that are in there and the leaders with me on set today are going to be sharing, you know, certain insights from all that they've learned and also studied personally during this period. Glory to God. But let's begin by going back to the book of Mark before, where the theme scripture was sitting. And mind you, in the book of Mark, it is recorded in Mark before. In the book of Luke, it is recorded the account of the sower, the problem of the sower, is recorded in Luke chapter 8. And then in the book of Matthew, it's recorded in the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew. The various apostles gave the same account of it with different increasing information, you know, after the apostles. Mark chapter 4, uh, from verse 4 to verse 20. Uh, it's a bit of a long week, but then would like to take it uh, from verse 3, March the 4. Thank you, sir. Mark chapter 4, from verse 3. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no roots, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that had ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, 
that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Very, very insightful scripture. And we notice in the, the communication of the master that he made a statement that if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all the parables? Because as many uh, theologians put it, the parable of the soul is like the mother of all parables. It, it, it has so much into it. Now, let's begin to look at some, some things. Uh, verse, in verse 3, the Bible says, that happened, behold, there went out a sower to sow. Right? There went out a sower to sow. And then, in the interpretation, in verse 14 of the book of Mark 4, Jesus said, the sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. Now, let's go back to verse 3. It says, happened, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It came to pass as he sowed. Notice that they all received the same seed. They all received the same seed. In other words, it's the same word of God that we give. The same word of God that is ministered to people. However, there are different receptions and different extents to its productivity in people's life. He said, and it came to pass as he sowed some. What is the sum? Some of what he was sowing. Some of what he went out to sow. You see, the some fell by the wayside. So one of the first things we realize is that it's the same message, the same word of God. Yet why does it bring forth results for somebody? And then for another person, it doesn't bring, it doesn't bring forth any results. Why is it so? You see, if we didn't establish that it was the same word of God, then we could have said maybe somebody was giving a bonus or something extra. But the first thing we realize is that it was the same seed. The same seed. If you went out to, let's say, literally, so corn, there were corn seeds in a sack. But some of those corn seeds fell in the wayside. Some fell on stony ground. Some fell among thorns. Some fell on good ground. So the problem was not the seed. The problem is not God's word. <laughs> the problem is not God's word. As long as you are getting the right interpretation of God's word, the right teaching of God's word, then that is not a problem. Then he says, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. They came and they took it up, the wayside. Now, as you study the word of God, you come to realize that this statement, the wayside, in the Greek is the word hodos, which refers to a path upon which people travel. So it's not a fertile land, it's a barren land. It's, it refers to a road. You see, a pathway that people travel on, people walk on. And if you've um, ever done anything concerning agriculture, or even um, been to a rural area before, or even a village, you'll notice that there could be a certain amount of vegetation in a particular sector. But when people want to create a path in there, they might first of all maybe clear a path, maybe with um, 
the paddlers or whatever. However, they leave it that way, it will grow back up. What happens is that as they begin to walk upon that pathway, the plants stop growing. You see, they stop. No, nothing begins. Nothing grows on the path again. Why? Because it's not allowed to grow. And the more people walk on it, it doesn't allow for growth. Are you seeing this? So the word is hodos. It refers to a travel path. You see, when you read other translations, the Bible says the trodden upon land, the trodden upon pathway. And it also speaks of, you know, a hardened path. Hallelujah. On a road, on such kind of roads, you don't go and sow a seed. Even if you put seeds in, it won't grow. Because by virtue of the consistent movement of people over, over it, it has formed some sort of a hardened uh, uh, place that doesn't allow for growth. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that also communicates to us a hardened heart. Now, before we even come to the hardened heart, or even in relation to the hardened heart, we realize that in his interpretation, the master's interpretation of that view he gave, he said something. He said in verse 15, he said, And these are they by the wayside. In other words, he says, in it, these four. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard it, Satan cometh immediately and taketh the word that was sown in their hearts. Wow. Satan comes immediately. So we see satanic activity right there. And it takes us to what the Apostle Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 4, he said, from verse 3, he says, If our gospel behave, let's, let's read it. Let's read it. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 3, from verse 3, he says, But if our gospel behave, it is hid to them that are lost. The word hid is the word in the Greek, kaluktu, which means to veil, to hide, to its covered. He says, if our gospel is covered, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this will have blinded the minds of them which believe not. You see, they believe not. So we see that satanic activity is involved sometimes when people who are, are unable to assimilate or even receive the word. The devil sees it immediately. You don't understand it. Hallelujah. And in this case, he speaks of unbelief. Because God would designed for your heart, but when a person rejects it, that word will, will, will not be effective. Praise God. So he says that the devil comes and he steals it immediately. So one, one cause of hardness of heart is satanic influence or satanic activity in people's lives. Like the Bible shows in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. You see. Sometimes other things also bring about people developing hardened hearts. Sometimes it comes from human experience. Human experience, unpleasant human experiences that you may have had dealing with different sorts of people to get to a point where they become callous, they become hard. Somebody, somebody said, I've been giving to people all my life and they always, you know, pay me back with evil, so I'm not doing anything again. It's bitter. And that bitterness is leading to certain hardness of heart. The next time a message comes from God concerning being generous, it's looking out the way. While the preacher is preaching, that word won't bring it for any food. In fact, by the time he leaves the service, he's forgotten about it. Because it's falling on a hard end. A wayside. There won't be any response of belief or faith to the word. And then thoughts. Thoughts. Thoughts that try to make you analyze things in a particular light. Making certain comparisons. 
and drawing certain conclusions. And these are thoughts that are coming. And when you dwell on thoughts long enough, they take root in your heart. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, he said, These are those who have seen that fell by the wayside, and the fang of the air came and devoured it up. And he speaks about it and says, The devil came and stole it. He took it from me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, is, is, what, would you like, what would any of you like to say about uh, this? Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, tell you how I appreciate this honor to share the word of God with uh, all our viewers and our members all over the world. Thanks to us. Thank you so much. Um, first of all, it's important to note the, that the people Jesus was talking to and just like we've come to church today to hear God's word, the people flocked there to go and hear them. I mean, to hear him and his disciples, just like they've come. But uh, those who were able to receive were the ones who came to us. So first of all, the things of God or the word of God is sown in the hands of the people who want it. That's powerful. So those who want it, because they went to ask, you know, and the first, like Pastor, you said, the, the, the first set of the wayside people. Yeah. I noticed one thing about that scripture as well, that in driving around, when normally when you you look at the bus stops and all by the roadside, the people who stand in there, they are either buying something or waiting for a taxi or a, 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 a public transport, whatever. Their, their minds are not for, uh, let's say, I go to the person and say, Jesus said I should tell you, the master, come on, get out of here. Because he's actually after something. That's exactly. So the wayside mind has no place or no time for the word. And it's funny, I mean, or it's important to notice that these are these four categories of people are in everything. Reason for which is uh, the Lord said to understand this particular uh, parable forms the basis of every other understanding in not just all parables, but in life. Because Pastor taught us last two weeks that the parables are illustrations that speaks of the kingdom or for whatever reason or whatever illustration the Lord was using. So he was trying to teach, it was uh, a wisdom saying, you know. So um, these kind of characters, you find it, you find it out there. The wayside mind is out there. The rocky ground is out there. This week, I was actually talking to someone, and I was busy, you know. <laughs> God's what sees this. God sees that. <laughs> ah, man of God, I preached for 30 minutes. I was so full of the Holy Ghost. After I finished, I said, do you understand? The person said, yes. But you see, last week, I was there. I was like, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> You know, that, that was a hard heart, a fascinating spirit. He's always asking questions. The same question you ask it like 3,000 times, different ways. Because it doesn't matter what you tell that person, the person can't hear. It's in, they carry it in their, even in business, in normal day life, in relationships. The girl has been told, I'm a guy, so I'll speak for guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, I told you that I was with my friend. You were saying that I went somewhere. I didn't go anywhere. I said I was with my friend. <laughs> she went, she went, says, I have to see or go to that friend's place. What kind of nonsense is that? <laughs> you know? So, um, I think it's, it's, uh, it speaks of our everyday life. 
and the importance. And one thing I appreciate so much about our ministry is our man of God takes time to bring us the word of God filtered. You know, the word of God, first of all, as it was said, and filtered enough for us to receive. So if you hear him for so long enough, it forms a mindset, a winning mindset. For me, I believe I can do anything. Because I have the words my man of God has spoken to me. It's been planted in my spirit. That's the word, the seed that has been sown in me. So say thank you so much, man. So bless. It's amazing. Amazing. Wonderful insights that Sir um, Roxon just shared with us. Very, very wonderful insights. Because um, actually, while studying this message from the scriptures, there were so many things that I came to discover. You know, but in due time, we would go into all of that. I want to know if any of our leaders on my right have something to say. Thank you so much, sir, for the opportunity to share God's word with our people. And I'll always say this, sir, this generation is so blessed to have you. And we thank God for your life. You know, um, with the first hand, I want to take it from the perspective of being a leader, having people you shepherd, having yourself um, as a cell leader, I want to take it from that perspective. If you look at um, Matthew's account, you realize that the sower indeed did his job. He sowed the seed. And there was no problem with the seed because they all received the same seed. But you realize that the first hearts were those who didn't understand. And that's why I have problem with some people who just, because I do evangelism sometimes, you know, most of the times, and you realize that what you are telling these people the word, they don't really understand. And some people after, they'll be like, oh, you find a church-believing church, <laughs> a Bible-believing church, and join. You know, you don't do that. Because after you do that, you might not know the kind of hearts they have. So um, as a, um, a leader, maybe you have um, people you shepherd. Jesus said something to Peter, he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. So you have to keep on giving them the word of God, feeding them, watering them, and it's, it's, ask, it's like yes, giving birth to a child and expecting the child to be fed by somebody else. Yes, sir. You yes, give birth to a child yes, sir. through salvation of leading them to Christ. So exactly. So it, it shouldn't end there by just winning them to Christ. You have to feed them, water the, the, the seed. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit will work on their hearts as you give them the word. So, you know, as um, a leader that you have souls, you shouldn't just every once in a while then you check up on your people. No, you don't do that. You might not know the kind of heart they have. The Bible says there are those who didn't understand. And once they don't understand, they can't receive it. So you have to give it to them, give it to them, give it to them. And that's one thing I would like to appreciate um, this ministry. You know, we don't just leave you. We have our um, first time form. You feel we give you a cell that we give you the word every week, every week, every week. Yes, sir. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's, that's what I want to say. Thank you, sir. Wow. This is, this is, this is beautiful. This is interesting. Anything you like to add? Thank you, sir, for the opportunity. Um, you said something very profound the other time. You said in the kingdom, believing comes first before understanding. And you know, when they were um, explaining the parable in Matthew, they said that when the word comes, immediately the enemy comes to take the word, lest they believe and be changed. Hallelujah. So the devil does not even give them the opportunity to be able to believe in the word. Hallelujah. So um, normally people with um, hardened hearts, one of um, the reasons why people have hardened hearts is because of unbelief. And they, they have unbelief because the devil immediately takes the word away. Or the, the enemy sows thoughts that um, continue to... Yes, yes, yes. So they are not able to believe in the word for understanding to even come. Hallelujah. Yes, Wonderful. Wonderful. 
I'd like to add to that something I noticed about that scripture. It says that already Jesus had told us that the, the devil is a thief, right? A thief knows that I'm not supposed to take it. It's not mine. The constitution frowns against it, but I will take it <laughs> because I am sowing to myself. That's a thief. But he didn't steal the way he, he took it. It is important to note he took it, he didn't steal. Because a lot of times people with their hardened hearts, and you know, it's all, I mean, the four types of people, I mean, you can find yourself in any of the, the different types, like Pastor told us last week. So you know, you should check it with your heart, then you correct your steps, you get it. So, the, uh, such a person, all right, has no value for God's word in his heart. So, I mean, yeah, Pastor, so preachy, um, preachy. Okay, it's done, that's all. No value. Yet, the Bible or the scriptures teaches us that it is this, this, this scriptures or this words, these uh, oracles, these are the things that makes us wise. These are the things that opens your eyes. My passion is for young people. You know, we can we can be the greatest generation that's ever been on this earth. One, we have the Bible compiled for us. Yeah. It's in our time. And two, we have internet. Oh, you know the things you can learn. You know. So um, it's the value for the way. It's the value for the way. Then. Uh, as we go on, as I will tell us. Thank you. Hallelujah. Wonderful, wonderful insights that uh, you've been shared. I think it's, it's, it's amazing. Let's just go to the second. In verse 5, Jesus said, And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth for earth. Praise God. And in explaining that, he said in verse 16, he said that, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. They have no roots in themselves, so they endure but for a time, for a short while. Afterward, when affliction or persecution. Affliction refers to um, something unpleasant, but be, be it in your body, be it in your finances, be it in your marriage or life. Affliction is unpleasant. Affliction is painful. Affliction is not something you desire. He said, after a while, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, you see, so persecution is one thing, affliction is another. You see, it's when I of this arise for the word's sake, for the sake of God's word. Somebody said, I began to practice the word, I began to come to church, then now things are looking some way. Now my finances is this or that. Or, when I said I come to church, now my, my, husband sees this or my wife sees that. What did they say? He says, when affliction or persecution arises for the worst, immediately they are offended. They are offended. They are offended. And the word offend there also speaks of stumbling. They, be, they begin to stumble. They begin to fall. In fact, some versions say they fall away. So they heard the word, likely received it. But the moment they facing challenges, they're like, nah, showing this thing up. Then we have a different translation.
Praise God. I'm reading from the A and B translation and the standard version. Verse 16 it says, In the same way, some of the seed that was sown on rocky soil represented those who heard the word and immediately accepted it gladly. Right? So there are people that might receive God's word gladly when you bring it to them. Ooh, wow. This is this is life. This is beautiful. This is awesome. This is amazing. But what happens to them? He says, but since they have such shallow roots, shallow roots, they continued on for only a little while. Then, when trouble and persecution arose over obeying the word, immediately they stumbled and fell away from God. Or they fell away from the word. Praise God. These are people that have, you know, there's, there's, shallow, there's a shallow, a shallowness, right? The roots don't go deep. Because for any seed to become a plant or that big tree or whatever plant is going to be, the roots will have to first go deep. In fact, it is the depth of the roots and the strength of the structure of the root that determine how effective the plants can actually be or grow. Hallelujah. So he says in this, in the case of such people, the word doesn't get enough roots in them. The roots are so big roots, they are so shallow. When winds blow, it easily clears it off. The foundation is a problem. The roots haven't gone deep. And what causes shallowness in such cases? One of it is the lack of meditation. The lack of meditation. You see, because when you hear God's word once, it's not enough. When you hear it the first time, you may have to guarantee that everything is in your heart yet, or everything has been assimilated yet. It's just like putting food in your mouth. Just because the food is now in your mouth doesn't mean it's in your stomach. And when it gets into your stomach, it doesn't mean it's in your body yet. There are different stages of digestion. It first gets into your mouth, you masticate it, then it goes into your stomach. In your stomach, if it stays there without doing any other thing, there will be no benefits. When it's in your stomach, it will have to go into the intestines, the small intestines, where certain enzymes react with it. Then it gets absorbed into the lacteal glands and other structures in the body. That's when the nutrients are taken from the food that has been masticated and brought into the stomach. In fact, in the stomach, it gets mixed up with hydrochloric acid. So that the, the nutrients and all that it contains can be broken down and then assimilated into the various parts of the body where it needs it. That's when, when assimilation occurs, that's when the word, or in this case, the food, has become a part of you. Meditation does that for you. Meditation ensures that the message you are hearing, and obviously, it's like when you taste good food. Oh, this is nice. Some of you like uh, 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 fries, french fries. Some of you like to go local. Some like the fufu and the, the, the other eba and whatever. But sometimes, you know, you taste it like this is good. This is nice. But you see, after tasting it, it's not supposed to end there. This is a, each one of the issues with these people that fell away after a short while. As good as the food was, it would not be effective if it wasn't digested. In the same way, when they tasted of God's word, they were glad. It's nice, it's powerful, it's nice, it's sweet. But after hearing the word, after receiving it that, that moment, they didn't go and do their own work. They didn't go and stay behind and meditate on it. They didn't matter it, they didn't talk, they didn't contemplate on it. You see. Meditation ensures that the word that you hear sinks deep into your spirit and becomes a part of you. So that you don't become like those that receive words and have shallow roots. No. The second thing that he mentioned there was that they endured for a while. Here's one important thing. The lack of endurance. Bible says in the book of Proverbs, 
that if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. The lack of the strength or the lack of the ability to endure. James chapter 1. Let me start from verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Hallelujah. So he says, Count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations or diverse trials, which could be relatable to what the Master spoke about concerning affliction and persecution. They will come. You see, they will come. But the problem is not, God is not scared that they will come. Because the word is in you. What is in you and what he has made you is greater than any trial or affliction that can come your way. That's the truth. He says, come and joy. Why? He says, the trial of your faith, it works patience. It put, another word for patience is endurance endurance because any strong person any champion needs endurance how do you think the winners of races win because they are able to prolong when others are getting weaker the difference in strength gives them the victory it's called endurance you can't lack endurance and expect to be a champion in life Bible said, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And that means those who have greater strength will be ahead. And of course, the things you want to achieve in life will require some level of endurance from you. He said, but let me just have a perfect word that you may that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, there's something beautiful in verse 12. In verse 12 that I want to show you. Then after, I'll, I'll, we'll see how the, how the NIV puts this. Hmm. Hallelujah. I'd like to read from the NIV, the verse 12 of James 1. He says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Remember, many times these trials and afflictions sometimes come because of the word. And if they come because of the word, it's because of Jesus. It's because of God. And there is a blessing in it. The blessing is in your endurance. The blessing is in your endurance. Not just that you were the, temp- the, the test or the affliction came. That's not where the blessing is. But that you endure it is where the blessing is. The blessing is in the endurance. Not just that the test came or the affliction came. So two important things to, 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 to notice in there. First it says, the shallow roots, and so they don't endure. And we spoke about the importance of meditation in such a case. See, meditation is similar to assimilation or digestion and assimilation. And then also the next is endurance, the ability to endure. When things are not pleasant, can you endure? When things are unfavorable, can you still hold on to the, the, the veracity and the integrity of the word and pull through? Because you know, nothing can beat God's word in terms of duration. In fact, the Bible shows that all, all things that we experience on this earth are temporary, but the word is eternal. Your circumstances are transient. They are not permanent. 
They are subject to change, especially by the word of God. So if you cower in the day of the trial, on the day of affliction, well, it will pass. And when it passes, you might be ashamed. How that unflinching commitment and faith concerning God's word. I don't know if you have something. I, I think, I think that there are more thoughts to communicate on this uh, um, afterwards. We might have to do a part two next week. <laughs> because there, there, there's a lot, and I'm noticing our time is almost up. But then let's, let's have this and then we, we move um, the rest to next week because there's still so much that you're going to hear. In fact, the, the rest of what we have to deliver is. So, so important that you don't want to miss it. Because it's going to go into the very way you live your life. All right, who wants to go first? Okay. Thank you, sir. Yeah. You know, sometimes you realize that um, there are some Christians who actually like the word of God when it's coming. Maybe you hear the word and yet you are nodding their heads. Oh, wow. But yeah, I like what I'm hearing. Maybe you are jumping with other people, wow. But when you ask them, do you actually believe it can work for you? Then that's where the problem is. They like mm-hmm. the word, they like the idea of the word, but they don't actually really believe it can work for them. It's some form of entertainment. Yes, you know, like maybe some motivational words, you know. So they hear it, but they don't really, there's a sort of detachment from the word of God in certain believers, hallelujah. Meaning that, oh, they will go, they will hear the word, wow, it's nice, I like to hear it. But then when they go back home, it's business as usual. Then they put the word of God somewhere. You know, as you said, because of the lack of meditation, to actually build um, yourself or to, or to deepen your roots, Christians don't do that. Some Christians don't do that. They just like to hear the word and how nice it sounds, but they don't actually apply it to their lives, hallelujah. And some of them, hear the word, but they don't hear it. He said something, he said we should hear the word with approval. Meaning that once you have you heard the word, you received it. Also know that it is able to work for you. Don't just take the word at face value. Okay, I like what I'm hearing, that's all. But actually, um, 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 yes, activate the word in your life. Know that the word is able to work for me as it works for other people. You know, sometimes you go to church and people are giving testimonies and people are actually happy for them all. But they don't see themselves having that <laughs> testimony. But that's sad, you know, because God is not being selected about who to bless or who the word of God should be to us. Yes, exactly. And sometimes maybe they hear the word this Sunday when you are going, oh, they are happy. Wow, I heard this. Then the, the next week, maybe nothing has happened. So they are so happy. Wow, I heard the word. Taya sent me a message. You know, I had the pastor preaching. He's serious, man. Then maybe in the course of the week, something happens. Maybe their landlord comes start asking for money. Oh, shy, okay. Then the next time he comes, maybe then he just forgets the word that he heard. Probably talking about faith, just forgets about it, starts crying, doing everything other than going back to the word that they received. So such people have shallow roots, hallelujah. Because they just left the word when things got tough, hallelujah. And sometimes we see a lot of that in Christianity nowadays. We like the word we are hearing, oh, it's nice, but actually, we don't sometimes really believe that it's taken with the word. Yes, exactly, yes. We don't take the word with approval. We don't take the word with that faith and that surety that will work for us, hallelujah. You know, something you said about uh, people that, you know, um, are happy for other testimony, but they don't really see themselves having it, or they might be hearing the word, they're happy about it, but then they don't really see it happening in their lives. They ask them, and this happened for you, they're like, I don't know. It brought, you know, a scripture came to my mind. Second Timothy 3, verse 1, Bible says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, fruits, breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despised, without those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of principle, lovers of God. Verse 5, it says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. 
You see, this might not be the state of a believer, contextual of a believer, a born again believer. However, this particular phrase seems to resonate with certain, the behavior of certain believers. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. You see, they accept that yes, it's possible. They accept that um, yes, God's God's work and peace is about, but does it work for you or can it work for me? Like denying the power thereof. That should not be your sins. Hallelujah. That should not be your God, God's word is not selective. Not at all. It doesn't go into the, the houses of, or the palaces of kings and queens to select the princes and princesses. No, it doesn't do that. It can work for anybody as long as you are ready to believe it, to stick and stay with it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, sir, once again for this opportunity. Uh, one of what you see um, with this kind of heart, you realize that there is this particular issue with um, the heart. You see, there are those people that, after receiving the word, they believe that, oh, it's good for their salvation, but they have separated the word from their private life. Mm. It's like when they come to church, we believe that God is there, but uh, the word is not able to, you know, help us uh, in their ESA, you say. They have separated the word from their private um, aspect of life. But Jesus says something, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the word of um, the mouth of God. So the word should be centered in everything you do. You shouldn't separate the word from your business or anything. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. the word will help you grow your business. Hallelujah. So as you said, they 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 don't meditate on the word of God. And they have separated the word. It's like when we come to church, yeah, God, hallelujah, we pray, we get we, we are happy. But when the issues come Monday morning, they put the word on the gate. You see, that, that is that is that is a problem. That's it. You see, that is a problem. How how will God's word be able to bring forth what it talks about in your life when you don't allow the word to be put to the test? It's like somebody who says, uh, "I have a gun for protection." Then I'm going to show up in your house, and then the gun is down in your bed, and you're like, "This gun." I you are neglecting the weapon. Instead of picking up the weapon and using it, you're neglecting it. What does the Bible tell us that God's word is? It is also a weapon. The sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6, in the hand of God. Sometimes I feel. People don't know um, how to actually use the word or how to actually um, put it to work. But you see, it's very simple. How were we taught the word? Or how did God use the word? God used the word by speaking it. Very simple. That's how to put the word of God to work. <laughs> Just watch God when you, when, you a, when you need an explanation or want to know how to do something. Look at Jesus. Look at God. Study the scriptures. It's there. That's how you put God's word to work. And then the behind the scenes technicalities have to do with faith in the heart. In Mark 11 23, Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that. Those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. Who is whosoever? Whosoever. Then in verse 24, he said, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. So, Rosie, is there anything you want to say before we close? Thank you very much. <laughs> Personally, sorry. Thinking about it all over it, I, I, I think Adam fell to it. 
Yes, because a lot of um, many at times I hear certain conversations and we've been there, right? Where we didn't fully understand the workings of life, how it works. And that, that's the reason for which I say Adam fell to it. Because if you understand life, you understand the value of words. You understand the value of words. The words by which God created the world. And um, one thing, or the, one of the, the most important things I get from this, uh, the teaching, especially Pastor how you, you taught us, is the attitudes to which we hear. Like our Lord said, He said, Take heed how you hear. In the verse 18 of that same Luke 8, you, you, you read it there. So take it how you hear. So it matters how you hear, your attitude towards hearing. An attitude of faith, an attitude of, that's the acceptance, that's the attitude of, you have to accept it. Because that's the truth. This is what my life hinges on. I bank my life on his word. And you know, the beauty of it is, this is what he said. He said, when the devil came and said, you're hungry, eat. You said you are son of God. I didn't say it. You said it. God said it. You too, you said it. Command this bread, eat this stone to become bread and then eat. And Jesus said, it is not about body or compote that we eat. You know? But the most important thing is the every word that comes out of the mouth, the mouth of God, not the book of God. Mm. The mouth. Glory! <laughs> so, that mouth is going to come out of the mouth. You must have, you know, because in this book, the devil also spoke. We just told, I just mentioned how he said you should command bread to come, hey, and you start to become Bobonte. Sorry, bread. Bread. So, back then, it would be very funny if you were eating Bobonte. <laughs> You know, but anyway, um, every, you, you need to have roots, allow the word of God stay in your mind. Like, let it keep repeating itself. Look at the different sides of the scripture. What has God said concerning you? What has God's word said concerning your, your situation, your abilities? Are you basing your life based on what you just see? The righteous live by faith. I live by faith. I live by faith. I live by my faith. I live by faith. You know, I like that scripture as well because it says the righteous shall live by their faith, right? So the uh, the righteous living by their faith, my faith, not your faith. I live by my faith. You understand? So what have you gotten from God's word? What has God said? What has proceeded from God's mouth concerning you? God is always speaking. He has spoken. His word is the word he has spoken. Now decipher for yourself. Break it down. Let it hold on it. Let it be in your mind. Meditate. Then now speak. Until we have the right attitudes, like our pastor has taught us, our, our, we are blessed in Christ's very ministry. It's, it's a deep honor and say, I love you so much. Because as a young man, as I'll always say, I'm proud of being young. And the reason I'm proud of it is, how, like Solomon said, I have a lot of years ahead of me. So this is the time to chat deliberately chat a good life. I can skip all the problems my parents had, mm-hmm. all the challenges in the world. The leaders, I'm not proud of it, sorry. They are watching, so I have to be. So, it matters the kind of people we look up to. I have a leader, I have a pastor I'm proud of. And he teaches me God's word and its relevance to my generation. So if you're a young man like, or a young woman who's listening to me, it, it's important. This thing can like change everything about your existence. But it matters how, how you hear the attitude. I believe next week, Pastor will tell us more about these attitudes.
Thank wow. you so much. Sir. Wow. I I don't know about you, but I've been blessed. I've been I've been so blessed today. You know, going through the afterthoughts. There's so much that is um you know even beyond the message itself, we are still you know, finding out by the Spirit of God. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing. You see, God's word is for living. Right? God's word is for living. It's not just for some part-time practice. It's for living. When you see the lives of people in scripture, they live by the word. Like the scripture, Sir Roxon mentioned Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. He says, the just shall live by his faith. You live by your faith. So the extent of your faith, which is a, which is a reflection of how much of God's word you've given attention to and meditated on and practiced is what you live by. See, the problem is not with the word or with the seed. See, his faith. God is for living. And maybe you've never heard anybody tell you to learn how to put God's word to work in your life or live by the word. I'm telling you, learn how to live by the word. Learn how to put the word of God to work. Learn how to use the word as a causative agent to get the effects you desire. So let's say your body is in bad shape, medically, in the area of your health. Learn how, first of all, discover what the word of God has to say concerning that situation. Then you come to find out that the Bible says he bore all our infirmities and sicknesses. You come to discover that eternal life is in you now, not when you get to heaven. It's in you now. And if eternal life is in you, you also have to realize that sickness is just the beginning stages of death. So, if eternal life is in you, then sickness has no place. Because death and life cannot coexist. And what God has made available in your spirit, in your life, which should affect your body also, is this eternal life. I can't think of myself becoming sick. Frankly speaking, it would go against the spiritual logic that I have in me from God's word. There's a period of my life where I used to be sick so 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 frequently. And as I got into God's word, I chose which category I was going to be in. I was not going to be among the first soil category, second soil category. It's very easy to be in the second soil category. You hear the word now, it's time to act on it and now. Not there. I stayed and stood in the fourth. Sometimes, what people need is a little strength to endure. And not an endurance of hoping that whatever is going on will pass. An endurance in faith that what the word has said is what is going to actually prevail. There's a difference between expecting a problem will go and expecting that that way the word of God has said will actually come to pass. There's a difference. For example, a person can be sick. But all he wants is for the sickness to go. Well, the sickness are coming in in a year's time or five months' time. But then, when you expect that what the word of God has said, what I come to pass, which is living in divine health, you look forward to that. So, even in the period where you may be in sickness, you are not enduring so that the sickness will just go. You are enduring with your eyes set on divine health. Which is going to be the beginning of your experience after the sickness passes away. Sometimes people don't endure. But you know that among the flow of spirit, endurance is one of them. 
It's almost as if in many parts of Christians today, we don't know anything about endurance. Sometimes I think Abraham would laugh at selling Christians today. And that is not your story in Jesus' name. Lift your hands to the name of Jesus. It's been a wonderful time today.